0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the 1875 podcast, I would say. Um, It's obviously an honour for me to interview him. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, uh, Mr Gary Boyer. Um, Gary, um, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. And and thank you very much for asking me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Um, You know, crazy times, I'm sure, that we're all experiencing. But to talk football, and in particular Blackburn Rovers, is... uh, you know, it's very welcome for me because uh, I remember my time there. You know, with great memories.
0: They obviously are um, crazy times, and I guess have you have you been dealing with it? All have you have you been enjoying your time in lockdown, or can you not wait to get no, back I've, to normal? Well,
1: bit, both, really. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've I've managed to get into a routine very early on, um, and so that you know, I've I've done a lot of reading, a lot of watching, and stuff like everybody else, and catching up on things and. Uh, but yeah, uh, ready now, and um, I think we've all got to be sensible coming out the the, the, the uh, lockdown for sure. But the idea that you can go down and have a sensible pint <laughs> yeah, w- w- is quite appealing.
0: Yeah, it definitely is at the moment. Um, I know that I'm well, not not desperate, but I'm looking forward to a proper a proper pint um, in the coming coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we should jump right into it. Obviously. Right. The The son of, of a Nottingham Forest legend, obviously, is track record speaker itself, your dad. Yeah. FA Cups, League Cups, Cup Winners Cups, European Cups. Yeah. What was it like, obviously, experiencing that almost with him as his son and, you know, being around for, for these historic moments, I guess?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what they were. They were historic moments. Um, and, you know, growing up as a kid, it was... Um, it was just fantastic you know to 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 experience it and being around it um you know going i i, I was fortunate i went to the second european cup final uh, in madrid um when they beat hamburg 1-0 and uh you know it was just a, a, a fantastic experience for me as a kid i was i think i was 8 um but to be able to now look back on it were with such great memories and such pride, you know, that, that, that that's your dad. And um, it was just a fantastic way to spend your time, ta- your childhood growing up, watching football and watching good football and good people, you know.
0: No, definitely. And like I say, perhaps it's something at the age of eight you don't fully understand the magnitude of. Um, but when you look back now, it's that, like I said, that pride that this is this is your dad and this is someone that obviously you love and he's doing these fantastic things and you can look back on that. Um, so obviously your own playing career. Um, I know I said before that you said it was short. Yep. Um, yeah. Obviously, what what? How do you sum your playing career? Do you have any regrets with it, or are you pretty pretty pleased with how overall it turned out?
1: Well, I was very fortunate in the sense of. Um... Uh, all I ever wanted to be was a footballer, uh, and and um, uh, I've said it to you know many many a player when they've either retired or the you know the the, the contracts come to an end and they haven't carried on being a professional footballer that once once you've been ex- once you've been a professional footballer and experienced it you know you've achieved a hell of a lot whether that's being a league two league one. Championship, and ultimately the, the 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 ultimate goal is obviously being a Premiership player. But I, I, I was speaking to um, Dean Winard. Remember Dean Winard, ex Blackburn? Oh, yeah. He went off yep. and made, made a fabulous career for himself in um, in uh, Accrington and Morecambe And and I was saying, you know, that that you've achieved a hell of a lot because you've been a professional footballer. You go up and down the country and ask. Ask, you know, boys what they want to do when they're growing up. They will want to be a professional footballer. Yet there's only so many that can achieve that. So I, I look back and say I was very fortunate. I, I played at Hereford for my dad, who's manager, and that was an experience in itself. Um Thank God my mum lived with us at that time. To keep the peace. But, um, you know, I, I got a taste for it. And then I was, again, fortunate to go to Nottingham Forest and spend... I had four years there, I think it was, but it was, it was, it was a fantastic education. I was playing left back and growing up around uh, Nigel Clough and Stuart Pearce, uh, Neil Webbs, uh, Yedez Walkers, was a, and just being around those types of players. Roy Keane burst on the scene, and it was just a fabulous time. And unfortunately for me, I I had. Uh, I had two long periods out with uh, injury, back operation that that had complications and a stomach operation that had complications. But to be able to be in around Brian Clough and see firsthand, because the man himself, Brian Clough, probably, well, he did. He, he, He shaped both myself and my dad in the sense of the footballing philosophies that we have. Mm. because um, my dad played for him for a long, long time. I then played for my dad and then I then obviously had the opportunity to go to Nottingham Forest and then sadly Brian Clough left, Frank Clark took over. I left Forest and went and played for John McGovern and Archie Gemmell at Rotherham who had played Mm. under Brian Clough. So I was very fortunate that the people I worked for and played for were of a fantastic ilk and fantastic education for me, you know?
0: No, 100%. And Yeah, just to think a bit about Brian Clough, just, obviously he's such a a monumental figure in football, is is Brian Clough, and he was a character as well, have you got any stories perhaps, that any occasions where he's, give you a talking to, not necessarily because you've done anything wrong, but just, you know, things that you look back on and think that was a, like you say, a fantastic education, and that, like you say, helped shape to me.
1: There's so many stories, everybody can tell so many stories about him. You know, the, the and the the stories are uh, uh, great footballing stories, great educational stories, both on and off the pitch, um, and, and funny stories. You know, when I first went to sign, I was only eighteen, and I was you know shaking in my boots as I was talking to him, and um, he asked what I was good at, and <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, I'm a good runner. And he, he just turned around and he said to me, "He said, oh, well, if I wanted to sign a good runner, son, I'd have signed a racehorse.' Now, what else are you for that?" <laughs> and it just as an eighteen-year-old, I just froze on the spot. Was like, uh. um, and he just asked me, you know, or oh, what? What else do I wasn't what good at? And at the particular time, eighteen, I just said, "Well, I need to work on my heading." And we played a game. About I don't know three months later. And he came in the dressing room after the game and he would always highlight someone or bring somebody down or um, keep them level. And, and, and I'd, played, uh, I'd played an all right game and he came in the dressing room and was telling everybody that he loved me. And that he loved me. I'm so honest. And I'm thinking, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> he said, you're, he said you're, you're so honest. I love you. I love you. I think yeah, brilliant. This is great. And he went, you can't head it. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> ended back three months when I said my heading wasn't very good, and it just killed me. And it was, but it was his way of sort of like saying, all right, you've played very well, but I'm just going to keep you level. And um, you know, the bloke, he, he, I've just got enormous respect for him still now. You know, just in terms of the discipline that he brought around the place, in terms of pleases and thank yous, you know, little things that are massive and it's something that, that alone it, just please and thank you is something I've always took with the apprentices and with with my first team players, you know, we'd go to hotels and there was nothing better for me than the staff saying, oh, how polite your players were or oh, how helpful your players were, That you know, that's a great, a great reflection on yourself as the manager uh, and your team, but for me, it was always a uh, a reminder of the lessons I learned under Brian Clough.
0: Definitely. Do you think coaching was always something you wanted to go into? Then after after your playing career finished, obviously you said you you worked with Brian Clough and you the way that you took part in that, please and thank yous and the hearing how obviously if a player, if your staff and your club's been polite, you're obviously happy with that. Do you think looking at things like that and Obviously, these are small things, but I think that's one of the reasons that perhaps you looked at being a coach, and was it something like you always wanted to do after you finished?
1: Even from a very young age, I was always because of obviously being around my dad and always listening to him and listening to the players. And well, you know, when they were in the first team and the reserves were playing, my dad would go and he'd take us along, and I'd sit with all the other first team players around, just sat there as quiet as a mouse, like, but listening and taking it all in and trying to work out and understand what they were talking about um so i always had that sort of like um, inquisitive brain uh, if if you like on the game and and like i say as a as a result as a growing up all i was interested in was football 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 (laughs) um and so when i played i was quite um vocal in terms of organizing and looking at different things that were happening in the game and and passing that on, and I, I was always keen to learn, you know, and talk to people about the game. Yeah. So when I finished playing at 25, it was the end of my career at Rotherham. I had two years playing in the league after Forest, and went to Rotherham, um, and then I retired. And it was um it was a case of right, what do I do now? And what was on offer then in terms of mental support and welfare care? isn't what was available, isn't what is available now, you know? Um, Mm. And so it was a case of, right, well, what do I do? Football's all of have known. And and ironically for this chat, um, Tony Laughlin, who's the first team coach at Burnley down the road, Mm. um, he was, we were very good friends because we played together at Forest. And he had 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 to retire through injury. And he said, listen, I'm going on a coaching course. And I said, right, well, I'll, I'll get on it. And the two of us went and did our coaching badges. And uh, that's how it started, really, from there.
0: Obviously, you started at Derby, didn't you? Spent time there as as the youth team coach. As your first, I'd say, probably the first big job that you had, working with the likes of, you know, Tom Holdeston, Lee Camp. Do you think, you spoke about the education as a player, do you think starting at Derby was also a fantastic education for you as as a young coach? Because that's what you were. You think of coaches, you almost think, you know you look at Frank Lampard and you think, oh, he's a young coach, but obviously yourself starting so early.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, do you think it was a good education there and really set you on your way to, to obviously become the coach that you are today?
1: Well, I, I, I believe that um, you've got to go and do your apprenticeship to become a footballer, you know? You've got to do your apprenticeship to um, to also then, in my opinion, be coaching um, and and... I when I initially packed in playing like I say I ended up starting my coaching after doing my badges working for the Nottingham City Council Uh, and doing like soccer camps with inner inner city kids you know some real tough kids and they were coming on the camps to to keep off the streets if you like so that was a real eye-opener in terms of coaching straight away and these were disruptive kids, some of them, you know, but to get hold of them and sort of like say, come on, how can, how could you impact them and get them to play football? And that was a real, very, very good first lesson um, for me. Um, and then I was very fortunate again, when I, I, I went to enroll on a college course and uh, the late Keith Alexander was there and um, he, he said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, um, I said oh, i just you know just packed in play and just started me coaching he said well he he ran a youth team alongside the first team at Ilkeston Town why don't you come and help me there so that that was part time so that got me in so I'd done the inner city school kids and I'd done Ilkeston Town um, and that really gave me a a, a real insight into into coaching and, and like I say it enabled me to make lots of mistakes as well and Uh, and learn and I think that's your apprenticeship no matter what you do you know Uh, and and so when the opportunity came around I was part-time at Derby as well as combining with Ilkiston Town and then fortunately for me again John Peacock was was the academy manager and and he asked me to take the under-17s which was which was fantastic.
0: You did spend a lot of your early career I guess in that youth level didn't you? Yes. Um, Do you think you got one of the things probably that contributes to that you you speak about when you were doing it with Nottingham City Council and it was these kids that struggled wrong side of the tracks type thing that were difficult. Do you think you got a taste for that then working with obviously the kids and almost moulding them into the men and the players that they're going to become? Um, Is that why you think that a lot of your early career was predominantly um, obviously working in, in youth teams?
1: Yeah, I think you know you you learn, don't you? You you learn. I I I have a massive belief that you know you can't beat learning on the job. You can go on all the courses that you want, but the actual real day to day live experience is is massive. And um, like I say, I had some real good experiences straight away in coaching that that helped me. And like you say. Still, to this day, you used some of the things that you, you'd used back then, you know the, the, so i I've, I found that doing my apprenticeship in the coaching was was huge for me in going forward, and like you say, it certainly helped with the connection and building a rapport and a relationship with, with the with the kids with the young players, the youth players, and I think that you know that was that was massively important. Because ultimately, you know, you it's about the relationships with the players, and uh, I was close to their age. You know, I wasn't an, an old youth coach. I was, like you say, twenty eight, thirty two. I think I was thirty two, maybe when I joined Blackburn. So, you, you there was a, there was a closeness to the, 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 their age that you could relate to and understand.
0: Definitely, I think that. <laughs> Just thinking from the perspective of maybe look at my, myself and my own Sunday league team that I play for. It is a lot easier, I think, when you have got that younger coach and someone that you almost feel that you can relate to, and, and you might see him not as a friend, but because obviously you know there's a there's a respect there. But yeah. you you almost can see that that there's there's a friendly nature to it rather than this all-encompassing. Um, tyrants if you will um <laughs> uh, oh,
1: obviously- we're getting old tom don't be calling me. <laughs>
0: <you. laughs> no um i don't mean that at all i no. do apologize <laughs> um are obviously-
1: right i think that, that there's two things with it yeah. i think um it's about getting the balance right so at derby county like i say, i was working for a wonderful coach a wonderful bloke in john peacock who had worked for the fa and he'd come out of the fa and then um went into club football and ended up going back into the FA and working with the young, youth teams of England to win the World Cup. Uh, so, and we had the balance, right? Because then you had... And, and I, I saw it early doors the, the, the value of having a senior figure that's well-respected and has got the experience and a younger coach that, like you say, could have a different relationship with the players, but also you've got that experience there to tap into because it's it's i'm I'm sure we'll move on to it going into your first job is very very difficult very difficult and like i said on the job learning and sometimes you know you need someone there that you can say well go on and what was it like when you were doing it or when how you did it you need that backup and i see now a lot of a lot of the young coaches coming in now and and my, my advice to them would be if you're going to be a young manager, get someone in that you can trust, that's an older head that's been there, seen it done out, to help you along. Because it is, it's, uh, it's a tough, tough job.
0: It, it definitely is. It's one that I don't envy myself. You see some of the, the stick that managers that are doing well get. Yeah. Um, so,
1: obviously, well, last, night. <laughs> last night, Liverpool have won the league i yeah. giving Jürgen Klopp a very, very hard time after the <laughs> interview. And, uh, you know, they've just won the league for the first time in 30 years. And I think the social media now, um, not just in football, but I think in society as well, you know, when you hear of all the bullying and uh, the, uh, that goes on on social media, I, I think it's just getting out of hand. And it, that's, you know, managing people's experiences, uh, expectations, sorry, is... Uh, is huge now and a huge part of the job.
0: Do you think that's something you've seen adapting your time in football? Obviously, when you started, social media was probably in its infancy. Yeah. Um, and, and now you're in a position where, especially when you were manager of Blackburn, obviously there was a lot of social media campaigns, if you will, with, um, with the Venkies, And I'm sure you saw the exact same at Blackpool. Um, is that something you've seen adapt and the way that social media can impact not just players, but managers like yourself?
1: Yeah, I think not not just players like I say not just players and managers now it's society. You know, you, you you hear of kids getting like uh, bullied because of the the trolls that they receive and uh, you know the, the 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 comments on it and it's you know sadly you know people are, are harming themselves because of this and uh, I think more needs to be done on that and. You know, it's very easy, isn't it, to hide behind a keyboard and and tap something in. I think you know, it's it's not right uh, as a whole. In like I say, not just in football, but I certainly feel the thing. The thing with football now is that everybody's got a a a, a, what's it called? It's got a, a forum to express their opinion, not just. Uh, before the game but during the game and then certainly after the game you know we've gone from the phone-ins now do you know what I mean the the phone-ins at the end of the game used to be uh, I was playing for Rotherham and it was uh, a show called Praise and Grumble on Radio Sheffield (laughs) Uh, but that was that they had to wait until the end of the game now it's instant and uh, I think it's you know it, it does have an impact on people I've seen players, when it's come back now, the Championship and um, the Premiership, that are probably enjoying the, the fact that the crowd aren't in there giving them stick, you know?
0: I think you've seen it with a couple of Rovers players, obviously Ben Brereton, his one the current crop that has got a lot of stick, I think, from fans, and obviously he got stent off against Barnsley, but um, it, it's one of them that he seemed to almost was like a weight in the the opening few games. It's definitely something that's probably as fans, it's it's worth us looking at ourselves and thinking, you know, there's criticism and then there's then there's criticism if you know what I mean.
1: Well, um, I totally agree. I think everybody football, all the football players. All the coaches, managers—you understand that, that that's a certain part of the job that you have to um, you have to accept. And, and I think you're right there, Tom. You know, there's criticism, isn't there? And yeah, yeah, you know, fair play. If if the team's not been good, or but uh, the, there's never been a player, coach, or manager that's gone out to a game saying, "Right, we'll be rubbish today." Hmm. It's a bit like yourself. You've never gone out and done uh, an interview badly on purpose have you you know or made mistakes when you're interviewing someone or asked the wrong question and i think you know it seems to be the football that gets taken away from them um and you know it it is it's it's a way of you know you've got to develop a thick skin to it for sure but i certainly think that yeah there's, there's there's times where it's gone too far for people 100%
0: 100% has and I think it's becoming more and more prominent, I think. Um, but moving on, we look at that that time when you started Rovers. So you joined in 2004 as a as head of youth coaching. Um, Obviously, just a, a couple of things. It was You obviously won the 2004-2005 Premier Academy League with the under-18s. There was two Northern League titles, FA Youth Cup semi semifinals. Um, and obviously, you developed... I think, four players that come to mind immediately. Phil Jones, Junior Hoyler, Martin Olsen and Grant Hanley. You you have played a, a huge part, I would say, in, in Rose's recent history. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss it later on, obviously, the, the shrewd signings that you made as manager. Um, do you take a lot of pride in that, though? Someone like Phil Jones, who despite, obviously, is, is the criticism that he received... He or he receives at the moment playing for United. This is a player that was sort of $16 million and you had such a huge influence on his development.
1: Well, um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you will have certain... It happens still now. You have loads of different people. I only played a small part um, in, in their development. You know, you, you have other coaches that obviously, for their own ego, say, yeah, you know, I developed... An, they play, in my opinion, you play a small part, and I because ultimately, they're the ones that have to cross that line and go and play, and you you're helping them and you're providing them with the tools, but they've still got to go and do it. Um, but from from that point of view, for me, and and it's still uh, part of me now in my makeup as a manager or a coach is that there is no better feeling. Um, Other than winning, than seeing a player develop, progress. So, for example, the the youth team player going and playing in the first team. Uh, your first team players, if you're in um, the championship, going and progressing into the Premiership and and bettering themselves. You know, I, at Blackpool we had Brad Potts and Bright Asari Samuel, who are do both doing very well now in the Championship. And that mm-hmm. gives you an enormous amount of satisfaction. And it was the same with with like you say, Junior Hoylet and with Phil Jones, Grant Hanley, and and Martin Olsen. Um, the Phil Jones one was 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 really good because his first game I can remember was in the um, Cup away at Nottingham Forest. So uh, me being a massive Forest fan as well as a Blackburn fan, um, it was. It was, it, was, it was a dream come true, to, you know, for him to make his debut there. And uh, he was playing, ironically, against Joe Garner, who was in my youth team when I first arrived, like you said, in 2004. And he did ever so well. And then we were having a fantastic run in the FA Youth Cup. And um, we got to the semi-finals and we were playing uh, the second leg, I think it was, was Chelsea away. And on the Friday, I think we got the call that Phil Jones wasn't coming with you. Um, and we were going, we were playing Chelsea on the Monday in the second leg. And we got told on the Friday, you wouldn't have Phil Jones. He's going to be in around the first team. And we travelled down that Sunday and all the youth team players were on the bus bar, obviously Phil Jones, because Blackburn were playing Chelsea on the Sunday. And it was live on Sky, and we just got to the hotel as the game was kicking off, and like it was brilliant because all the youth team players and and the, me and the staff were sat there watching it, and I can see it now, Jonesy's debut where Big Sam played him in the um, holding midfielder, and he made two unbelievable tackles, one against Drogba, and then it bounced and it followed through, and it and he just. Was so strong in the tackle against Frank Lampard, and he went on to have a you know a great game, and you know that was a huge moment of pride for everybody within that that group. There, you know that look at this lad. We we've helped him, like I say, but ultimately his hard work, his dedication, his support of his family as well, you know, played a massive part, and we 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 just helped him along a little bit.
0: Do you think you felt that same pride with with Phil obviously in Blackburn for him was disappointing well disappointing for us but do you do you feel a similar amount of pride thinking you know he's been able to move on to such a huge club who at the time were, were the club yeah it was yeah. football but do you do you feel pride in that that you know like you say, you see him develop, and even though you you see you know, you play a small part in that, is the pride when someone like Manchester United comes calling and saying we want to spend 16 million pounds on this player.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, it, it, and that's what I'm saying. You, that, that's the way you get the uh, enormous satisfaction as a coach is seeing them like develop and progress. And 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 one of the things that I always say to the players is be the best that you can be. You know, don't be satisfied playing a championship level strive to play in the premiership whether that's collectively as Blackburn getting promoted or individually or, and I can remember having the conversation because he had everybody after him Chelsea, uh, Manchester United I think, um, Liverpool uh, and I can remember having the conversation with him he, he went and met Sir Alex Ferguson and and just listening to him, talking about how great Ferguson was, and what he said to him, and uh, and he he sort of like asked me what I would do, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow uh, and and it was a special moment, you know he didn't know it was a special moment for me, but it was a lad sort of like saying, "What would you do? Who would you sign for?" And i think wow, this is fantastic. And that was due to the relationship that we built. But, yeah, when in signing for Manchester United, you, you do, you have an enormous, well, the whole academy, you know, the whole academy did, and and rightly so.
0: Definitely. And I think that we do have a very a good track record, I think, when it comes to academy graduates. You, like I said before, there's junior highlights, the, the Martin Olsens, Grant of Hanley, and then you look at the current crop, the likes of Lewis Travis. Yes, um, yes. Is there a chance you ever worked with?
1: Because I know he's been and at the now club. club. Just, I was manager and Eric Kinder, I'm sure, was the academy manager and just signed him. Just signed him from Liverpool's academy. But mm. obviously, you know, I still have a, a, an interest in Blackburners anyway because I spent 11 and a half years there and, you know, we gave um, David Raya. Uh, Ryan Nyambi and Dara Lenehan, their debuts, you know, so well, yeah. to see those, those still playing uh, and, and, you know, I have to say the the way that Dara and, and Ryan have performed and grown and got better each season, again, just gives you an enormous sense of pride and satisfaction that you've played a small part.
0: I think Ryan Nyambi, especially this season has come on leaps and bounds yep. um, he's he's one of those that you thought he's got all the components but they don't just seem to quite mesh together at the right time but this season he's, he's been fantastic and it's been at times it'd be a real pleasure to watch the the Nambi and Cafu as as some call him
1: um, well this is it, if you look at it and that's my point in, in it all is that we expect and we want them to deliver yesterday and sometimes you know well everybody's learns at a different rate and gets confidence or experience at a different rate and and ryan's you know he's, he's had some tough comments throughout his career already and you have to remember he's still a young lad you yeah? know and still learning um but it's like i say we we don't seem to we want everything yesterday. It's, uh, it's that type of society now. But he has stuck at it and worked hard. And, you know, the, the, the impact of the Tony Mowbray's had on him and, and, and Damian Johnson, for sure, is there. It's been fantastic. And like you say, he's only going to get better, in my opinion.
0: 100%. I think, it like you say, it's easy to, to forget these players that have been around the first team for so long, they're young. I mean, obviously, them. I think it's 23. He's, yeah. he's no older than me.
1: And yet look at the amount of games that he's amassed. Yeah, that's fantastic.
0: It Definitely is. Um, so, we going to skip a few years ahead now. Obviously, he spent time as reserve team manager. Um, yeah. But all of a sudden, you're given the big the big job the 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 management position. Only obviously, he's a player <laughs> originally. Yeah. Um, obviously, on the first occasion was that in December to January. Before Michael Appleton became yeah. the manager, yeah so at, at that stage Gary was it the interest from your part in taking the job permanently?
1: No, no, I mean at the time we're, we're, it was um, the club were we uh, were going through you know the period that it was going through and it was well documented and unfortunately we just got relegated um Yet, yeah, reinvested um going into the championship and then i think steve keen keen left um and then i think it was eric black was it was temporary um and then obviously um uh, there was the appointment of Henning um uh, and then you know he then got sacked just after christmas um A boxing day, I think it was away at Middlesbrough, wasn't it? If I'm right, Mm. um, and we were in training the next day, and uh, I could just remember that that obviously, then uh, they sacked Henny, uh, um, this was on the Thursday, and there, there was a game on the Saturday at Barnsley away, and not only did they sack uh, Henny, I think, um. They might have cleared everybody out. Bobby Mims, uh, the goalie coach, Ian Brunskill, Eric Black. um, And so it was just a case of, right, well, it's Thursday, you know, waiting for the next manager to come in. Um, And then on the late, the Thursday night, um, uh, I I got a a phone call saying, could I meet tomorrow morning? Met... um, you know uh, the, the the people at the club on the Friday morning, and they said, "Look, uh, some of it's going to be happening, but um, will you take the team tomorrow?" And that's what happened. And we 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 quickly got um, I quickly got on the phone and, and rang down to Terry MacPhillips and said, "Come on up, uh, he come and help me." And we got the team ready um, for the Saturday and uh, against Barnsley and. You Know as, as far as we were aware, that, that you know that that was it, we were looking after it on the Saturday, but obviously, with it being Christmas, um, there was that game that you know, I think you played every two days or something like that. You know, we played the 28th, maybe the 29th, it might have been, and, and then we were playing Nottingham Forest again on New Year's Day, I think it was. Um, so it was very quick, but I, I was employed by the club, and the club had asked me to do a job, and I just you know, did the best that I could. And unfortunately, I mean, when I look back, it's interesting when you, you know, when we said about setting this up, I look back on that and just went, wow, that was a real proud day, you know, to walk off the, the pitch. And you, at Barnsley, the, the, the away fans go behind the goal. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the end where you get changed. And the lads had done brilliant, you know. They'd, they'd come together for us on the Friday. We'd got organised and, you know, we'd had their input as well and we put the team out and uh, they performed ever so well. And, and Jordan Rhodes scores right at the death to make it 3-1. Uh, and just walking off and getting the reception from the, the Rovers fans was... was oh. It was incredible, you know, and it was like, put your hairs on the back of your net. And I know people say that, but it was, and it was like, wow. And I can remember uh, the analyst, Paul Brand, who's now at Manchester United and has been for a long time, just seeing the smile on his face. And it was like, brilliant, brilliant, just to be able to put smile back on people's faces because we hadn't been able to do it over the last couple of weeks.
0: Definitely, I think it, it was a tough time, wasn't it? Especially that first and yeah. second time yeah. you came in. But I just want to talk about Steve Keane, if you don't mind, for a second. Obviously, he's someone that isn't very well liked by Plab and fans. We did a podcast with Jake Keane, obviously, one of the goalkeepers you had at the time. Um, he said that one of Steve's biggest issues was that he went from being someone who was one of the lads as the first team coach to... Um, all of a sudden needing to have this sense of authority and he just couldn't, um, he could never quite get that. Would you go along with that, that it was just a poison chalice from the very start for someone like Steve after taking over from Big Sam?
1: Um, well, Jake would have been probably better off because he was in it, you know what I mean? I was, like you say, I was looking at the reser- looking after the reserves then. So I wasn't sort of like really privy to, you know, what was going on on the, on a match day in that sense, or in training with them during the week, because I was always you know on another pitch somewhere with with the lads um but you know whatever it was it was, and you know we just have to we just had to you know do your own job, and that was it. you had to just concentrate on that
0: definitely um obviously so you you've you've done those four games, michael Appleton comes in and but it doesn't do terribly, but it doesn't, doesn't do a fantastic job. Obviously, probably most remembered for the his managing of the, the last-minute winner against Burn Last-minute equaliser, should I say, against Burnley. Um, you were then thrown oh, back I in there. Winning,
1: I think winning away at Arsenal was a big one as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forget like, about
0: that. I do, I do.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, for me, needs be research yeah. better, don't I? Yeah. Um, obviously, Colin Kazin-Richards 1-0. Yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about that. Um, but you're thrown back in the the deep end, I guess, and and I suppose the task saving us, um, making sure we don't go down. Um, at that stage, you know, you said before the first time it wasn't something that you necessarily looked at as a, as a permanent thing. At that stage, you think, yeah, you know, if I do well here, it's almost an audition, I guess, isn't it? That final, for the final nine Be games. Honest, so, uh,
1: that didn't really go through my head at the time. What went through my head was, um. The the club had, obviously, it was well documented, it had been in the press for the wrong reasons, um, but my big concern was obviously the impact of uh, relegation, you know, back-to-back. I think Wolves actually did it that year, didn't they? Yeah,
0: Wolves did go down, because I, I seem to remember I could be completely wrong here, Um did you did you manage against? Oh, I mean Dean Saunders actually the, his yeah, first game was, as well? That was culture.
1: my last game on the. And the last game
0: on the. the, f-
1: fourth, f- well, the yeah,
0: game. yeah, I remember something like that. So obviously they did get they were relegated back to back. So I yeah. guess it would have been a bit bad if both of us had <laughs> fallen back to well, that
1: was that's what that was what uh, drove me then. That was my motivation, and I, and I expressed that to the players because I think we had. Might have had nine games left. And uh, I just said to him on the, the second time, I said, look, we need to do this, not just for ourselves, but for the staff, for the support staff, because I, I was aware of, obviously, if that was to happen, the implications and your support staff and people at Ewood Park would be, you know, the first casualties. And, and and you see it up and down the country with clubs, you know, and I'm not saying it's right, Um because obviously players are protected by, you know, big contracts, but um, I didn't want to be responsible for the club going down. And more importantly, the players, uh, the people, the support staff, you know, you people at uh, Brockhall in the training ground to the people at Ewood in the ticket office club shop losing their jobs. And that was our big driver. And I have to say the players in that, that nine game period were, were, you know, they were very good. They gave absolutely everything for us. And uh, you know, I'll never forget Grant Hanley's magnificent runaway at Millwall. Thank God there wasn't V A R in then. <laughs> I do remember that Millwall one. Yeah. I do um, it now. It's so if you ever get the chance, and the same with the Blackburn Rovers fans. Go and try and get Steve Claridge and Radio Five Live's commentary on it. It is a magnificent commentary. <laughs> <laughs> he picks the ball, up what? He picks the ball of just outside our well, just ten yards, of probably outside our half, and uh, he just kept going and he kept going, and the commentary brilliant. And then he, I think, it, the fairest thing to say it was uh, it was a soft penalty. Uh, yeah, it just collapsed because he'd ran that far he'd never run the, that far the big one <laughs> in one go but you know, we were fortunate we had uh, Mr Carm himself Jordan Rose to put the penalty mm-hmm. away and, and won that game 2-1 and that was the game that, that we knew then we, 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 we were near enough to safe we, we'd only had to sort of like pick up another point but only if others hadn't that mm-hmm. won but we were alright with that game and we knew that was our game in hand and it was a big one
0: yeah definitely and obviously like you say you were successful I guess in that mission of of keeping us up um you then offered the job full time for, the, for yeah. the following season um was there any any doubt in your mind that you weren't going to take it as as a permanent position um or was it a case of yeah you know I I can I can do something with this team
1: well i um, i think it was a case of um one of enormous um, pride and and, and an honour to be offered the job to take it. Um, And and it was one that I just thought, well, you know, I've got to take this opportunity, you know, and um, set about straight away of trying to, you know, keep us out of the the papers, keep us away from the headlines um, and just concentrate on, Trying to rebuild the club, and in terms of on the playing side, you know, and that's, I have to say, that's what we set about doing quite quickly, and and realising that uh, we had to implement a, a, a different model, which which I I personally felt was, you know, recruiting good young hungry lads that wanted to forge a career and make a name of themselves and fight for the shirt. Um, and, and, and try and entertain the fans and give them something back, you know?
0: 100%. And it was a huge task that you undertook as well. Like you said, it was basically rebuilding. Obviously, there was a lot of, what we call them, Deadwood, but players that perhaps didn't quite fit the ethos of what, what Blab and Rose fans wanted, I'm thinking. Players like Danny Murphy um, and Dixon, two Who those are the two that, that come to mind for, for me personally. Um, obviously, bring in players like Tom Kearney, um, Tommy Spur, you know Alan Judge. I think Alex Marrow came back, didn't he? You know, the, these were players like did his young, hungry ones. And, yeah. and it's fair to say, Gary, you had some fantastic picks. I think Tom Kearney, um, arguably one of the picks of the bunch. Just, just how good um, was Tom Kearney? And how how much phenomenal was it to have someone like him that you know could just pick a pass out and could, could create something out of nothing.
1: Well, he's, um, first of all, the, the, the big thing is he's a fantastic lad. Um, and again, come back, comes from good family. Um, I, I, I recently went back to, to Ewood to watch him when they played Fulham and his mum was there and she was, you know, as good as ever with me and, uh, and the family there. And he's, um, you know, he's a wonderful, wonderful technician. Um, fantastic talent that you could just trust with the ball we played him in a a couple of different positions just to maximise you know what he'd give for for the team but the way he receives it and how he plays yeah there's not many like him that's for sure
0: there certainly isn't and obviously in that first season considering all the changes I don't think we did too bad obviously two points off the playoffs, uh, finishing eighth um there are a couple of games, though, that stick out, and I just want your opinion on these. The, the the One One of them is the Sheffield Wednesday game at Hillsborough, obviously, <laughs> 3-1, and then New Who comes on and just somehow manages to bundle the ball um, yeah. into the back of the net. Burnley, the 2-1, the first defeat in a while. Jordan Rhodes is through on goal um, and hits the post and a, a chance that you put your house on him scoring. Um, and then there's the Yorville 0-0. Um. Yeah. Obviously, who were already relegated. Do you look back on those fixtures, and, and do you see that season? Obviously, it's a season we can be proud of. I think looking back because of where we'd come from the previous season. But do you see it part of a missed opportunity, perhaps at
1: times? Um. Oh, what a good question. Um. I think I, if I if I look at the games that you've highlighted there, I think. Um, the Burnley one, like you say, we were winning 1-0, weren't we? And mm-hmm. Jordan goes through and hits the post mm-hmm. and that would make it 2-0. Um, and that was obviously, um, it was a painful one because of who it was against, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, the, the Sheffield Wednesday one, I've still got the scar on my hand where I, um, where I uh, decided to take it out on the door as we walked back into the dressing room. <laughs> Um, so that that one, I'm, I'm I'm assured will give me arthritis in the knuckle when I get slightly older. Uh, but again, you like you say, it, it was um, that was a disappointing one, um, and the over one the same uh, at home. And people have asked me that about missed opportunity. I think when I look back at it, I go well what we had done is we'd, we'd, we'd built this really young, hungry, energetic, hardworking team. And we were perhaps just missing one or two more experienced heads or the fact that they'd not been through this stage before in their careers, the young ones, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, look, listen, to, to if, if if at the start of the season – we'd have said, right, look, listen, we're going to rebuild, we're going to invest for the future, uh, and you're going to miss out on the playoffs by two points, I think everybody would gone, oh, we'll have that now, yeah. Paul. I would
0: agree with that, definitely. Just yeah. because, like I said, where we came the previous season, it did seem like it was down and out, and you sort of came in and rejuvenated that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that, that's it, probably looking at it, calmly and, and logically however as you go through it like you say and look listen everybody will go through games won't they and identify games that oh if that had happened and if that had happened mm. and we you know we, we we all we all can't live our lives with regrets or what ifs but you certainly do do that um uh, and you know what we had done is it would we'd give the we'd give the fans the team back
0: Oh, I would, I would definitely agree with that, hundred percent. I think, definitely, just in terms of the way that
1: it just felt like everything, you saw people coming to Ewood because they wanted to come to Ewood and cheer the team on, and they knew what they were going to get off the group, you know, um, and and that that was a, a, again a, another way of measuring success.
0: No, I think I think you're spot on there. Like I said, it felt like it was our. Blackburn again, and that's something that I think for me personally, I owed a lot of respect for you for just the way that you you brought the club back to to us. Oh, um, that's something that I, I'd like to thank you for. Um, no. The following season, we finished ninth. The um, other oh, say for Blackburn, quite a historic yeah. cup run there. Obviously, just missing there against Liverpool. Um, Josh King sort of came to the forefront in that.
1: Um, yeah, two fantastic games, Swansea and Stoke. Yeah, Stoke in particular. No, um, I, I, I look back on that second season, and, and it was yeah, like you say, you just said the historic cup run, and it was you know at the time it was you know the Liverpool team that finished second, and uh, we 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 enjoyed the cup run, and it was fantastic for the, again. I don't know what the age of those lads would have been then 23, 24. So it was a fantastic experience for them. Like I say, they were going through those experiences again and, um, meeting them better players. And to, you know, to like I say to, to have beaten, uh, Stoke at home and, 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 the manner in which we did. And, and obviously, you know, I have a, a lot to be thankful to Mark Hughes for because he was coming back, wasn't he? And, uh, when he was manager, I learned a hell of a lot from him about his teams being organised, hard working. You know the glory days that he brought back in terms of achieving European football. Um, yeah. So, so for for us to perform like we did against them was was great. To be drawn against Liverpool, if you remember at the time, Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers were absolutely flying, and mm. uh, obviously the famous Stevie Gerrard slip, isn't it? But mm. That was the thing that stopped them from being champions that year. And I remember we played we played them just after they had absolutely murdered uh, Manchester City. And uh, we were watching it and going, oh, my God. <laughs> How do we go about this, you know, in terms of uh, they're on fire? But that Sunday, going to Anfield was, again, another... Uh, a proud moment of being the manager of Blackburn Rovers and seeing all the Rovers fans behind the—I think it's the Anfield Road end, isn't it? And mm. the noise they made. And I can remember very early on in the game we had a we had a goal kick and Rudy went up with Skirtle and he landed on and awkwardly. I think uh, and it, it like Rudy had won the header as well. And it was like I don't I don't think they quite expected us to be like that, you know um and we we were we were terrific on the day um i can remember uh, i think it's minule mate an outstanding save from alex baptiste header yeah alex from the baptiste
0: Hedda, yeah I remember that, the save <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know you're thinking oh gosh and then the players did themselves and again they did the the club enormous Amount of rebuild again in terms of credit that they built for the club, and, and so the FA Cup run helped establish that. And I think more on an international and a global way. You know, um, the year before it had just been within the championship and within. But you know, the run that we went on, I think, you know, just raised the profile of Blackburn Rovers again. And but I look at it as a as a. I, I looked at it and thought. It was a fantastic experience, but it came at a price. You know, we lost so many defenders as a result. Adam Henley, Grant Henley, Shane Duffy were out for, for long-term. Jason Lowe was out for long-term. And then even in the replay, I think we ended the replay narrowly losing one nil, but Alex Baptiste pulling his hamstring as well in the game and ended up with Tommy Spur playing right back. Um, And, be- between then and the end of the season, we were stretched. And again, I can remember the two centre halves being Tommy Spur and Dara Lennon. And of course, we were under the embargo by then. Um, so that that the, the, there's there's pluses and minuses for for, for that particular run. You, you know, memories that we will always talk of and, we, You know, that stay with us forever. But you know, sometimes you hear managers saying, you know. Sometimes it's best to get out of the cups early so you can concentrate on the league. Well, we, we, we I think we suffered that year, but to again get a top ten finish with what we've been through was not bad.
0: I'll go along with that. I think that was the season that perhaps the expectation was most in the league. Yeah. The most it yeah. ever has been, I'd say, since we went back down to the Championship. Um, just because you've got Rhodes, Gishtead, Kenny, and We spoke about King and if you don't know, mind, I want to speak about Josh really? King just for a second. Um, I always thought that Josh King's grievances at the time of not having first-team football were unjust because we had Jordan Rhodes and Rudy Gishter who were consistently scoring goals. When you look at Josh King now, though, it, it's funny to see just the player that he's become. And did you always see that in him, or were you looked at looked at his own well and thought, "Well, I can't put Josh King in because, yeah, he's had one fantastic performance in the FA Cup, but Jordan Rose and Rudiger Chad have scored twenty goals each this season."
1: Yeah, I think um, well. Josh I think Josh has done fantastic you know the the player that he has become now and again what what we um what we we're quick to forget is that you know he was a young lad at blackburn who had come into the environment that he came into initially when you know there was all the uncertainty and what have you he was still finding his way in his in his early stages of his of his career you know he was a left winger or a right winger or A little bit of both and then you know he he sometimes said you know I want to play down the middle and but he was such a threat for us as a winger as well you know but he was just starting out really getting regular games under his belt it was like you say it was disappointing when he left to go to Bournemouth but they got promoted and were in the premiership and like say you 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 you, 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 as a manager and as a coach, you always tell them to strive to be the best and play at the highest level that they could possibly do. And you know, I have to say, both him and um, and, and Eddie Howe, you know, Eddie Howe has brought him on massively, and again, played his part. But ultimately, it's you know, Josh's um, maturity and got grown with experience and got better and better. And then that's that's what you want from them, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think. I think that, like we say, we I think there's perhaps hints of jealousy there that maybe we didn't see the, the very best of him consistently, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is, is our own our own personal problem rather than as just fans um, yeah. uh, having that jealousy. Um. obviously Rudiger Stead as well another player that you brought in did you bring him on loan originally from Cardiff and then sign him for about was, yeah years? yeah.
1: it was one of those deals where you could initially bring him on loan with it done permanently in January yeah
0: Yeah. so Rudiger Stead was that one that would you say that obviously he came the previous season but was that a surprise as to how well he did because like we said just before we started recording he was almost unheard of um, really in the championship and all of a sudden he, he comes to Blackburn Rovers and just does exceptionally well
1: well I can remember the start of my second time as a caretaker we played the first game was Black, Blackpool at home and we drew 1-1 and then that was on the Good Friday and on on the Bank Holiday Monday we were Cardiff away um, and we got beat 3-0 uh, and, and well beaten. And uh, I can remember them being 2-0 up, 3 nil up, and they were bringing Rudy on. And I can remember being stood in the technical area and looking at him thinking, wow, wow, look at him, you know? And that was my first sort of like, well, right, who is this lad? And, and looked into him. Um, and then that following season, they were playing at Accrington Stanley in the... Uh, well I'll, I'll say carabao cup cuz that's what it is now isn't it so yeah. the carabao cup whatever it was then mm-hmm. uh and again he, he just his physicality just stood out and you know i just felt that we'd lost you know we'd lost um, some players but we hadn't got that real physicality uh, up top um and i thought we you know uh, we've got obviously the goals in Jordan Rose, but we at at times we would need some physicality and uh, we were able to do the deal. And and like you say, it was, you know, a fantastic deal for Blackburn Rovers for what they paid for him for what, until, you know, what they sold for him as well. You know? Um, But again, uh, he, he was a fantastic lad. I remember meeting him and uh, the questions he asked, not just, uh, about playing but about the area about the club you knew he wanted to come and and, and kickstart his career and that's um, again massive credit to him for how he went about it and how he uh, how he got better and better
0: I think you're right there as well when you said about our physicality for everything Jordan Rhodes brought you he was a natural goal scorer and for my money still would be in the right team um, but he didn't necessarily bring the physicality that he needed, whereas Rudy comes in and just powers through, I think. Did he score a hat-trick of headers against Birmingham, was it? Um, just oh, yeah. the ability that he had was, especially in the air with another one of your shrewd signings, Craig Conway, with the way that he was able to to cross a ball. Um, and someone obviously um, stayed at Blackburn until very recently. Um,
1: I have to say, you know, again, uh, we used to joke, I used to joke with with Rudy and say, you know, you owe Craig Conway um, half of your wages week in week out because Craig was again, he was a, a fabulous, um, fabulous signing, a brilliant person, uh, still is a brilliant person, um, and and was such set such a fine example to the young lads, and that was that bit of experience for his delivery was—I remember that at the end of the second year, I think, you know, he was he was right up there in in, in fourteen assists or something like that in a season, which, you know, was fantastic. But uh, the combination that the, the 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 two of them had in it was like, you know, the fact that Craig knew where to put the ball and. You know, either Rudie get on the end of it, or it would drop, and and Jordan being the fantastic poacher, or you know, sniffer of his chance that he was or is still. I agree with you. He, he, I think Jordan, you know, uh, still still has that fantastic ability to score goals. Um, was just was just brilliant to watch it grow. You know.
0: Yeah, I hundred think, percent. I think, like you said, that team. I think now. I think as fans, I, I know I do anyway. I look at looking very fondly. It was one of my favourite times supporting the club in a strange way. Um As a younger fan, 22, I wasn't necessarily old enough to really appreciate the Mark Hughes days, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but those days under yourself where, you know, it was a team that we loved, I think, at the time. It was a team that we enjoyed watching play. Um, and like I said, it was just one of them where you say it develops naturally, doesn't it, I think, especially that yeah. team that you built it was a, it was a natural development over the course of those two
1: full seasons that you had. I think it's a, I think it's a, um, it's a reflection of um, owners um, allowing uh, an understanding that it's, I always got told, and it's something that stayed with me uh, forever that and then will do. And I, I carry it through now is, you just you, you don't build a house straight away do you? You don't just go and put the roof on it, you know? You've got to build the foundations, you've got to make sure that the foundation is set. They've got to make sure that they're right and then you progress. And then once you've actually got the house ready and built and everything's set, you then have to go in and decorate it and you know, it 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 carries on and your house gets better, the garden, you then put the garden, you put the plants in and they've got to grow you have to give it time. And, and, and I see it now happening so often in football that they just don't give the managers enough time. And so then how do you build a team? How do you build a culture? Because, you know, it doesn't take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and, you know, it's no surprise to me that the people that you see, clubs having the success is... A lot of it is with the managers being in place for a while and being able to establish a culture. I
0: think you only have to look down the road, don't you? As much as it it pains me to say, look at the job that Sean Dyche has done at Burnley and, like you say, that culture he's brought into the club. And, and like I say, as much as it pains, they're obviously doing doing very well.
1: well. of course, but it's and that's, that's the other thing. It's never it's never um, plain sailing, you know. They had to, like you say, they went up and then came back down. And, uh, it would have been very easy, wouldn't it, for them to have gone right, get rid of him, mm. get rid of him. And, and I see that happen so many times in, in football now. That the, the turnover, there's just no continuity there for the players. You know, one manager comes in, he says, right, I don't want that style of football let's get rid of them um and so you you end up paying so much money out then to get rid of them then you have to pay so much money again to bring them in and then they need time to adapt and then people get you know their expectations well that's not working right let's get rid let's bring some and and we only have to look at you know that period at Blackburn like you say when there was change hopping and changing the uncertainty and the chaos that, that, that it was at that time
0: Yeah it did cause a lot and you speak about getting time now I want to move on to the following season obviously the season that, that you did lose your job at Blackburn yep. Um just off the bat, obviously, when you were sacked, we were unbeast in three. Obviously, we think we'd won at Leeds, hadn't we? Drawn at Birmingham and then
1: drawn. Fantastic with Breast. performance at Leeds,
0: yeah. Yeah, I remember the two now, I think. Was it Craig Conway or Jordan Rose Scored very early on.
1: James, um, uh, Tom Lawrence.
0: Ah, there we go. Yeah. So, you know, they, these are performances that were were, they were, good performances. And obviously, you'd sort of manoeuvres us out of the embargo. We weren't under that you know that anymore? No,
1: we were. Were in January actually, or? Yeah, we were still into the embargo. I think it got lifted very shortly after I left.
0: Did, did were you did you ever feel any frustration at that? That obviously we'd lost Rudiger Stead and Tom Kearney as well that summer. Um, do, do you feel frustration that perhaps you weren't afforded? Um, more time in that season where I guess there was a, another sense of a complete rebuild, almost.
1: Uh, who did we lose that summer? Yeah, so we lost Rudy, didn't we? You're right. Kearney, I think, to Fulham. Was Josh King that summer as well?
0: Yeah, Josh King was that summer as well. So we'd, we'd lost that, uh, some well, substantial players that were that were going to be important yeah. to I,
1: I mean, at that time then, it was... Um, the embargo then um certainly it took an effect because you could only spend up to a certain amount of money or, but only in um in wages you weren't because i think at the time there was qpr as well that uh got up that 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 first time when they would have been under the embargo but as a result it just ended up being blackburn which i always mm. thought at the time was was not right you know um but it it was what it was and we had to work around it. And then it it it, it bit in that summer. It, I found that, that you know, that it had made a difference then. I can remember, ironically, uh, trying to sign Danny Graham but couldn't get anywhere near uh, the deal with Sunderland to get him to, to come, you know. And then I think it was after the embargo got lifted that that January arrives and you were like, right, <laughs> Uh, and that was a bit of a frustration that it happened so quickly after you leave. In the in that sense, you know. Yeah,
0: I can imagine as well. Looking at the results afterwards, there wasn't particularly an upturn, was there? It wasn't as if, and this with the greatest respect to Paul Lambert, it wasn't as if he came in and, and all of a sudden changed the team around and um, suddenly got us playing this free flowing football, scoring five goals every game. It was very much just it, it was. No better That I mean, it was a bad job because it, it wasn't bad at the time but he didn't particularly do anything more um, like I said I said with the greatest of respect to him um, did you look at the results as well and think you know that I, I could be doing better or had you tried to move on at that point and sort of said you know what this is it was a time in my life that obviously I'm grateful for but now I've moved on and on to the next thing
1: well I'd spent 11 and a half years at Blackburn uh, and yeah when the sack came and um, you know I always remember I think it was Steve Bruce saying that you know you're never a proper manager until you get sacked for the first time but um, it it, it, you know I didn't quite know what that meant Uh, uh, (laughs) and you know there was the I was well you know the attachment to, to the club being at somewhere for 11 and a half years and the the friends and the people and the happy times and the memories that I'd built there. So, yeah, it was one of the enormous, um, sad, sad time for me and, uh, um, disappointed. And like you say, at the time, uh, we were three games unbeaten. We were, we were playing all right. The lads were playing well with, it was just sometimes the, the bounce of the ball. I can remember, you know, uh, you're just hoping the he drops and it hit the bar, or it just you know the goalie made an unbelievable save that you'd highlighted that he have been weak in that particular area of the game before, and uh, but you, you do you 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 have a lot of um, personal pride, a lot of hurt, and 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 you know because it, you you know how much work and how much time and effort you'd put in, but at the same time how much you know you how long you'd been at the club so initially there was, you know, a lot of, um, upset and disappointment. Um, but no, you, that you, you, you quickly have to dust yourself down. And I was fortunate again with the people that, you know, made contact and, uh, and, and, and spoke, you know, managers within the game were very complimentary and very good and said, right now you, you know, don't be sat there feeling sorry for yourself, get on with it. Um, And that's what you did you know you went away initially on holiday to get away with it um and then you just started reflecting on your time and going through it um and thinking right where can I get better because it was my first job and um it was a a hell of an experience and and look at ways of you know making sure that you can improve and um it was then a case of right where's my next opportunity
0: (laughs) I remember at the time, I don't know if there's any truth in this, um, but in the media, there was talk of potentially you being linked with the Reading job. Was that anything that was ever substantial or, or was that just paper talk and people?
1: No, I think it was just paper talk, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, one of them, because obviously, I guess, the next job then does come, doesn't it? Um, the following season, I think in June 2016, you were hired yeah. Blackpool manager. Um I want to talk about Blackpool for a bit, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah um, no Just because I suppose at the time people must have looked at you as a as a button for for poor ownership, yeah. if you will. Um, just because obviously there was well documented issues at Blackpool with Oyston, um, but you got them players to play. Obviously promotion in your first season in League Two, yeah. um, and then you guided them to a top half finish in League One. Yeah. Um, how difficult was it, though, working at Blackpool? How difficult was that, obviously, given all the, the well-documented issues, the fact that you weren't getting really any fans through the door?
1: Um, well, what we did was um, we knew uh, that they'd obviously suffered back-to-back um relegations and um there was a there was a chance to sort of like start again and uh i think one of the things that that um sort of like helped if you like was the fact that people didn't expect anything from us because of what had happened previously um and so again it was a case of just going in and saying right focusing on what we can control and what that was obviously the training, the recruiting of players, uh, and then the matches themselves, um, and and that's when I, when we brought the players in. That's what we said to them straight away. We we, we we only focus on what we can affect, and we we couldn't, you know, the fans, the fans, and I think it's the fans have their their own opinions, and they're entitled to their own opinions because you only have to look at. The Premiership and the Championship games now without the fans, the game's very difficult without the fans, you know. Mm. Uh, so we just said to the lads, look, we can't have it as an excuse, um, and I, we understood what was happening and why, but we just concentrated on ourselves and concentrated on the football. and And I have to say, every player that you know walked through that door and represented um, Blackpool were 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 fantastic, they were a brilliant set of lads um, and, you know, they got their just rewards uh, at Wembley, you know, leading your team out at Wembley, again, is another magical moment as a, you know, as, as a manager uh, and for those players winning there, that, you know, it was, um, like I say, the, the, their reward for, for all their efforts and um, they had a good night that night celebrating and rightly so.
0: I'm sure they didn't, and I just want to go back to something you said there at the start. Just obviously, the players are aware. Obviously, being at two clubs where there, there were issues, especially off the field, do you think it's a mentality thing in terms of of almost putting that to the side um, and not letting the off the field issues impact you? Because like, said, it must be tough for players if they do see the the negative impact that or the negative opinion that fans have of of owners or managers.
1: I think. You, I think. Uh it is a mentality thing what we said was that we weren't gonna allow that to to affect us and anybody that showed um a weakness in that area if you want to call it that or was suffering because of it then we would have conversations with them and try and steer them back on track um because like I say you couldn't you couldn't no matter what happening off the pitch and what people were saying, we still had a job to do and our responsibility to each other. And, you know, we couldn't allow, um, that to, to suffer. Definitely. And I believe you did. You, you left Blackpool, didn't you?
0: It was your decision to walk away yeah. from the, the club. Can you divulge just as to what made you come to that decision? Or did you, did you feel that it was just the right time for you to leave?
1: Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, um, and, and, and then obviously, Terry McPhillips, who was my assistant then um, and had and come from Blackburn, he took over and again continued it you continued the work with the lads, you know um, it was just like you say it's something that you you have a choice to make at certain points of your life, and um, that was mine at that particular time
0: and then obviously most recent job as well, Bradford. I guess yeah. that was a tough one to walk into as well. Obviously, yeah. the drift at the bottom of the table in, in, in League One when you came in. Tasked yeah. probably with attempting to, to save them. Um, yeah. How did you just time at Bradford? Obviously, you were only there around a year, weren't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well, again, like you say, it was um, we were going in and the the, the, the team was uh, was struggling. Um realistically we knew that you know it was going to be a, a near enough mission impossible to keep them up um, but then uh, in the summer we went about the rebuild and I think it was from early September you know we got the team and we rebuilt the team with good good, some good players um, and we, we were from I think it was from September to, to, to the whole of January we'd found ourselves in the playoff position and you know, it's never easy in League Two for sure. Like you say, it's a real competitive league. Um, and we just completed the transfer window and unfortunately we'd lost at Oldham and the club decided to make a change with us being one point off the playoffs. So, you know, obviously that's uh, uh frustrating, but what it has done is obviously... uh give me some time and obviously this period of time to sort of like say, you know, what is it that I want to do next? Uh, when I was at Blackpool, I did a um, a degree in the sports directorship course with a view to, you know, eventually moving up to try and work at that level to help to support a manager and be the bridge between the board and the, and the manager. But that's something that this moment in time I see in the future, I've still got a massive burning ambition to, to be a manager still. And, and like I say, have an impact. And when, when you look at your, your, your time over those three jobs and you reflect on it, you know, I, I think I've done not bad, you know, and I want to do better uh, and I've got that hunger and that desire to keep on improving and, and get better. Cause like you say, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed my experiences.
0: I definitely agree with you for what it's worth. I, I, can't imagine a, a Blackburn fan does his own little podcast worth much. But for, from the the experiences that you've had, and I guess the tough clubs you've gone into, you've not you yet to take, and not any jobs easy, but you yet to take. I guess that, that stereotypical easy job, um, and you've some big clubs there as well. Um, yeah. do, is, is, do you do you, is you plan to you know get back to that that championship level and, and beyond, or are you happy you know still looking at League One, lead to it and building almost a project if you will?
1: I think um, if you ask all managers, they would say about building a project like like what we've what we've said along all along is that the the, the way I speak to the players is telling them to be the best that can be and go and strive to be playing at the highest level that they can possibly get to. You know, um, and that's no different for myself. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to get hold of a club and 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 you know work with people that have the same. Uh, opinion and, and understanding of what it takes and how long it takes to, you know, to do to do to do a bomb to do a Sheffield United. You know what what Eddie Howe and and Chris Wilder have done, um, as well as being two English managers and flying the flag for the English managers is, you know, the the, the, the achievement that that has done and what that journey must feel like is fantastic. You know, and obviously you, you'd want to be trying to do something that's similar. Definitely. And like you say, it's almost just that
0: sense of, you know, flying the flag for English managers and, and building something and maybe becoming that, that next Sheffield United and that next next Bournemouth to sort of come out come from nowhere and have that project and, and do fantastically. So I just want to finish off obviously you say you still keep up to date with, with rovers. Um yes. Yes. what are your thoughts on, on the club at the moment? Obviously Tony Mowbray well regarded by most Rovers fans um, what's your opinion on the job that he's done and he's currently doing
1: I think he's a fantastic bloke first and foremost um, I think he's again he you know he went in at a very difficult time um, rebuilt in league one and produced you know a very exciting team and they've gone and carried that on in the championship um, and he's built on that again. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've watched him. Uh, I think he's got some exciting young players again coming through, uh, the development of a couple of others. And uh, <laughs> they've been dealt with a, a bit of a blow with, obviously, the injury to Bradley Dak. Um But, uh, you know, they're, they're heading in the right direction under him for sure. And it's just that little bit of patience. But look to build on again next season, you know, because... um the way that he's gotten playing, I like the way that they go about it, the development of like the, the, the lad Travis and, and Daryl Lennon and Ryan Nyambi, you know, that, that's down to the manager and the impact that he's had on these players as, as well as, like I say, the part the players play, the biggest part, but Tony's done that and, you know, I think that the, the club have got a they're going in the right way. The owners have continued to support the club, which is fantastic from them. Um, but no, I think there's, there's, Excited for Blackburn for sure.
0: I think we ought to as well, just it's a case of of keeping patience, isn't it? And, and not getting ahead of ourselves. Like you said, people want things today when sometimes it can, you know, wait well, until tomorrow. Will... I think
1: it's the same with down the road at Preston, isn't it? You look at, you know, I look at the teams in and around that Blackburn and Preston are, are competing with and budgets that they must be competing against, and it you know, you have to take that into consideration. It's it's difficult because at times you, as a manager, will have your targets and identify them, but then just get blown away, you know, by the fact that they offer X amount more. And you can't do a great deal about that other than the move on and try and find the next one. And they're playing with a lot of spirit, they're playing with a lot of togetherness, and, uh, you know, they're going in the right direction, that's for sure, in my opinion.
0: They certainly are, and I guess all I've got to say now, Gary's. Thank you very much for obviously joining yeah. us on this very special. I,
1: I, I really appreciate it. I think it's one of the first times that um, I've spoken. Uh, I, I did. I did an interview with Andy Bays about my time at Blackburn Ball. Um, uh, to to be invited on and, and, and share the stories is is great because, like I say, I had the eleven and a half fantastic years there, and it. The, it's a club that is very, very close to my heart for sure. And, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
0: We appreciate that. And obviously, like I said, thank you for everything that you did your time at Blackburn. It really was, like I said, an exciting time for me as a fan. And and just the way that you you brought the club back to the fans was something that I know that we all um, at Rovers Chat hold very dear to our hearts, um, if you will. Um, But no, thank you very much. And, obviously I hope that um, whatever comes next is fantastic for you and for now though let's just uh, get over Covid and like we said at the start yeah, had have a nice a nice cold pint
1: somewhere yeah. yes definitely cheers Tom and stay safe to all the Rovers fans as well okay a girl so alluring
0: a boy, so addressed. a song.
1: So inviting, you start to advance. We're locked in a gaze, you can't look away. I like. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack.
0: And that.